do you all have um, travel food like patterns when you travel? Is there something that you tend to eat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, this is good. You're both nodding. I thought this might yeah. be like a trick question. Yeah. yeah. What is it, Julie? Um, mine is I pack my backpack full of granola bars. Like I, th- I think I'm gonna get trapped on an airplane without food, and I need like something to get me by. So protein bars, granola bars. That's my thing traveling. How many are we talking? Oh, about? way too many. Like if I'm going <laughs> to the summit, there's probably like ten protein bars in my backpack. We do feed people at the time. summit. Just she's talking yeah. about getting getting the, on the way there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so same that's with the worst water, though when you overpack. Water. When you overpack those things and then you have like the squished up versions yeah. left over that you didn't eat and you're just like, mm-hmm. uh. definitely okay. Jackie, mine is Gardetto's a good bag. I like how you're like, oh, healthy stuff, Julian. I'm like the saltiest snack known to man. Is that the thing that's full that's- of those like rye chips that no one that's likes? The, okay. I, the rye like chips it. are my favorite. I like those too. You're, you're the anomaly here, Kevin. No, those no. are the, the. One of the airlines you passes those out, and but they still call it like, would you like peanuts or pretzels or whatever? I'm like, I, I don't There's think those two are the pretzels same. in this entire bag, and the rest is rye chips and other junk. No, I'm I'm brand loyal to Gardetto's, not like the trail mix knockoff. So I just I feel like they're my my go to snack. And then for car rides, it has to be Gardetto's and beef jerky. Like mm-hmm. my two beef jerky is always purchased at an absurd amount for road trips beef jerky you just gotta be careful depending on how like aromatic the beef jerky mm-hmm. is like yeah it can be smelly that can be a that can be a like questionable thing you know beef jerky yeah. on a plane i'm just saying yeah that's why i do it but teach their own mine is is certainly gummy bears on the way home that is my um although as i've tried to become healthier I'm, this is all markers are liars. Now, now what I find often is I go and I take pictures of gummy bears and I post them and then I put them back and I don't actually buy them. Oh, Sorry to bust everyone's bubble, but I know everyone's like beyond when they're traveling, like I can't, what kind of gummy bears are you going to get? And I just feel like I'm going to let them all down. So I picked the one that I would buy if I was going to get them. But after like a whole week at the builder show, there will be real gummies. I'll take a picture of me like about to kill one of them in my mouth. Uh, do they bears. have to be gummy bears or just any kind of like gummy candy? Uh, gummy bears are certainly preferred, but I mean, well, that's not true. What's the, um, and I'm not a brand expert on, on gummy bears, um, perhaps surprisingly, but the, the brand from Europe or Germany that has like the, white the, bag? Um, the Habaro, is that what it's called? Oh yeah. No, not, not Habaro. Anyway, like the whatever mix of weird shaped marshmallow gummy combinations, all kinds of interesting things. Yeah. Yes. Um, Well, it's gold. Anyway, I do, I do like the variety there. Variety is the spice of life, but no, yeah, that's, and of course we're talking about all this because the builder show is right around the corner. In fact, I won't be on next week's episode, so you may not hear my voice for a little while, Um, but we will be recording a podcast at the show again this year. So I always like to what's everyone's but yeah I, i'm with you the without fail if i do not pack some type of little cracker or snack or something julie my plane's getting delayed or i'm stuck on the plane yep. when i yep. have it it never happens just yep. like you know i i bought a snowblower that i've used twice in the last six years mm-hmm. after being that in works. it's a good luck charm then right that's that's yeah. the right way that's a good perspective all right let's get started 
Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 325. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me today is Jackie Lipinski and Julie Jarnigan. Hello. Hello. Welcome, welcome. And I have, not exaggerating, six things queued up in my Slack to myself. That's where the really <laughs> important notes get set, a Slack to myself, of things that I could talk about story time. But I'm going to let you all set the scene, and I'll see what fits for time allotted and energy level. If you two are too nice, I'll go negative. If you're both negative, I'll go nice. We'll see how this works out. Jackie, you're up first. Sure. So I had a call a few weeks ago with a builder and the conversation, it was kind of like two or three builders, but sometimes there's echoes and the echo was problems that were only found once the marketer visited the community. And for example, one of them was this community is not selling. The sales agents are complaining and she drove there and they were selling for months and the sign said coming soon as a call out and it wasn't checked. And so part of me, um, I went to LinkedIn and I went in all access and I was like, how, I, I just want to get a feel for how often are people actually visiting their sites? And do you see value visiting more frequently or what does that look like? And, and maybe to get a little more perspective. And I know we talked about that internally, but so far the feedback was about 35% visited weekly, 39% visited monthly, uh, 17% visited quarterly. And then for the people who had the option of not as much as I should be, that was about 8%. So, um, and then the consistency is like just trying to get out on a regular basis. And then I'm sure there's a lot of marketers who saw that went, I'm not filling that out. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, I, I want to talk about this on the podcast. They're like, oh, I'm not doing this. So, um, you know, there, I think there is this, this balance of, well, first, let's all be honest and sure. share what our own experiences were when we worked for home builders. How often, how often did we all get out there? Uh, I would probably be in the, not as much as I should be, but also with the limited amount of, um, communities we had at certain times, um, you'd visit and then you're like, all right, I can come back in two months. But I would also say one positive is that I had a very responsive, um, sales team who was sitting site and site manager. So I never felt like I needed to overly go if I felt, um, like I I didn't really feel like there were too much disconnects happening, but I would try to get out at least like once a month, every other month. Julie. Yeah. I'd say probably monthly, probably should have been more, I'd say Mm -hmm. monthly. And that was the community's closest to me. The ones furthest from me quarterly. Which I'm I, not saying is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely from the very beginning, my second boss, and so it's different for the different companies I worked for. The first company I worked for, I would say at the beginning it was like quarterly <laughs> for a long time. Uh and then my and, and then it became monthly or bi-weekly. And then when I got to Heartland in, in Pittsburgh, kind of from the beginning, it was like, we are not making you stay here. Like to the extent that you want, and I wasn't from Pittsburgh. Like I lived, I grew up in Columbus. I knew my way around here. Um, I, st- 
but in Pittsburgh, it was like, this is all new to me. And so from the very beginning, that just became a habit that, that never went away is every week, at least half a day and half days are pretty easy. And if you, if you kind of like anything else, schedule around your schedule and just tell people Friday mornings were the best for me. Now, a lot of sales teams maybe don't work Friday mornings. That that would make it difficult too. But half day in the morning was awesome because the morning is when other people usually would stop by your office and give you things to do anyway. You're not there. So then they'd like leave stuff on your desk or they'd have to email me. And then Friday afternoon was awesome because Friday afternoon became my fix all of the things on the web that weren't urgent. And a lot of it was based upon knowing what content I needed to, so I could get content and then I could also interface with the sales team and sales management, um, visit model homes, look at signage, and then I could come back and our whole team in the afternoon, it was, what do we need to fix on the website? Let's get that content uploaded. Let's add the pictures. Let's do all the things. So Friday afternoon was website maintenance outside of price changes and availability issues that would have to be obviously addressed all the time. Um, but I really would challenge most people listening should be out there at least half a day. And some of the people that I'd give gold stars to uh, in the in the survey were the ones who said that they actually would get to each neighborhood each month. That's ideal. It, and it I would say it's ideal even if you only have, you know, five neighborhoods or four neighborhoods because it's relationship building, not just, mm-hmm. um, you know, seeing what you're seeing with your eyes either. Also think- our designer, real quick, our graphic designer who worked with us for four years, I don't remember the exact numbers, but she had never visited a home. She had worked there before I got to Heartland. I'd been there for like two years and like she would look at all the pictures. So she knew our houses, but I was like, you've never, like, get in the car right now. We're leaving. We're going to go visit some homes. I was going to say, I also felt like when I would visit or if you visit regularly, people go, ah, oh, she's coming. And they'll make sure the job site is cleaner or they're going to get yelled at for it. Uh, people liked you more than liked me. I, I think that was part of the benefit was no one cared for at least the first two years. And so I just saw it for what it was. Cause once you get to that, like there's the benefit of the, I like make it look good Yeah. if you're going to be there often enough. But it was also kind of like, I always got, I felt like I got the real scoop of what was going on. Um. But yeah, I think, I think weekly, you know, the, the quick math again is 35% essentially said weekly, get, get out in the field. And that means 65% don't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. I appreciate the brave people that filled that out. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Julie, what do you got? Yeah. Uh, I love when I have a meeting and somebody says something, I'm like, there's my story time right there. So <laughs> Beth and I, and I warned him. So Beth and I were talking uh, with a at EYA this morning, and he was talking about some of the very technical things he does on the back end, HubSpot and different things. And we were talking about, well, some people may not be there yet. You know, they don't understand how that all would work. And he said, yeah, sometimes I do um, something and somebody will say, that just took you five minutes. And he tells them it didn't take me five minutes. It took me 10 years. So just his point was, is that, yeah, it's been 10 years of me slowly figuring all this stuff out. And then in the same conversation, more than once, he said something about, well, um, in our department, we're artists. So a lot of people think they're either the creative side or they're that technical side. And then they lean too heavily and don't try to ever go the other way. And I think he was just um, 
proof to me that no matter where you're starting as you go through your career, you need to work, do the work to grow in both. And he's kind of proven that. So I thought that was um, smart when he said it didn't take me five minutes. It took me 10 years because he's definitely earned that 10 years. Yeah, that's a play off the old story of the guy who comes in with the hammer to fix the broken machine and then yep. gives a bill for a million dollars and they demand an itemized in, uh, invoice. And he says, you know, time to hit with the hammer, $1 to know where to hit was the, you know, other $999,000.99. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. Yeah. And I also like the we're artists because um, people struggle with one side or the other kind of naturally. Um, and I think both approaches are can can be helpful, but one approach is I need to even out everything. I need to try to become as well-rounded in everything. And then the other approach is I'm going to over-index on what I do really well and try to find things to fill the gaps just enough on what I don't. But over a length of time, like 10 years, I think one of the insightful things about what Anath is saying is he is becoming a much more artistic person. So and not if you go on Anant's Instagram, he posts some of the most amazing photos possible. And he might, I, I don't know his full journey here between artist and technologist and mathematician and, and all the rest. But I started out on the art side. I would, if you would have shown me the market proof algorithm in 2003, 2004, I would have been like, sorry, the accounting department's over there. I make, you know, trifold brochures and Sunday ads for the paper and take pictures. That's what I do. I don't know what this is. But from one side to the other, you become an expert enough that then the other start side starts to mean something to you that it didn't. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. really good art also has math in it, hidden math, right? Like the, the golden triangle and 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 the magic ratios and rule of thirds. There, So it's okay to go all in on one side you're really strong with, but then you, at some point when you've hit a level, go back and look at the other side. And I think you off, a lot of times you'll be surprised at how much the things that didn't make sense to you now start to, at least you understand their purpose and mm-hmm. value them differently. Too. Yeah. And I think what I respect too, is what ownership he takes of all of it. It's not like I need to hit these goals to keep leadership off my back or to answer the questions. Um, you know, it seems like when he talks about those things, he's really takes pride in all that work he's done. So it was a fun conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's again, taking pride is often seen as a quasi negative thing. Um, you know, a, we work with a lot of women in marketing and advertising who mm-hmm. struggle with like, well, I don't think I should have to say that I've worked on this for 10 years. Okay, but like to Anat's point, and I say this all the time too, I, I'm trying things on coaching calls with our builders all the time, analogies, stories, examples, so that when I do a talk or whatever, I feel like I've got, Anant found a really great way to make his point, but not be arrogant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny, it's witty, it's, you know, so keep looking for ways to do that that doesn't have to be I told you I'm awesome. I'm freaking awesome. Back yeah. off. It doesn't have to be how it comes across. You know? Um, okay. I'm going to keep mine. Yeah. I'll just, um, one controversial thing that mm-hmm. Beth isn't on. So I'll hear about this from her, but we can talk about it without her. That's the half the fun. 
The, the first thing is a quote that I heard on Sunday night uh, for the first time. Uh, and I looked and I can't figure out where he got it from. So maybe Kyle, I'll, I'll give you full credit, Kyle. Um, fear is often caused by a temporary loss of perspective. I'll say it again slower. Fear is often caused by a temporary loss of perspective. Fear of a giant burning physical fire in front of you is there to save your life. There's no loss of perspective. You should leave the room if the rest of the room is on fire. That's not what we're talking about. That's why it's often caused <laughs> by a temporary loss of perspective. Um, why are we scared to give candid feedback? Or why are we scared to tell our boss the truth that they need to hear? Or why are we scared? Like a lot of this is a rational fear of, and we hear this all the time. Well, I can't say that, Kevin, because they might fire me. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there are four other companies who will hire you. It's okay. Like your, your heart will not stop beating. Um, in fact, just last night, a friend of mine, uh, he has a, a gap week between jobs. He quit a job before he had a job, got a new job almost instantly has a week where he's not doing anything. And my other friend who's an ER doc turns to his wife and goes, Holy cow. Can you like, just imagine that? Like you're so confident in your ability that you just say, you know what, this job's not working. You quit it, you get a new one, and then you get a whole week off and you just get to like, do what you want to do. Like he, in his mind, he cannot fathom that, that flexibility and confidence. But the ironic thing is like how in demand are ER docs? Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're also through the roof. So um, I just think that for a lot of things that people struggle with or are scared of, take a moment to figure out, do we have the right perspective? or really just perspective, even outside of fear? Are we looking at this from, from every angle possible? And which one is the best one to look at it from? I think there's a lot of, if you, I know I get accused of being too esoteric, but I promise if you sit in a quiet room and think about that for five minutes, things will start lighting up in your brain about, oh yeah, it applies to that. It applies to that. It applies to that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I'm guilty of that. Kind of, I, I think um, worst case scenario sometimes, and then we hang on to that. And I think it's okay to work through those things, but then realize that it could also go great and take a chance. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I love that. All right. Here's the, here's the controversial one. People who do um, search engine optimization work often call themselves SEOs. It's kind of a weird, like, I don't even know what are the grammatical errors going on there? Like if I, it seems wrong to me, but that's what they call themselves, SEOs. I think the best SEO is TikTok. I really do. Um, meaning, and that Beth hates TikTok. Her husband works in military intelligence. <laughs> and so he has reasons beyond the scope of this conversation to maybe also be nervous about TikTok. But TikTok and, and SEO is at its core, someone's interested in a topic, I have the answer or more information on that topic that they want and connecting the two things. I just keep coming back to, and I'm not telling you all to go start your TikTok journey, but I am telling you there's something amazing about the simplicity of how this works. Um, at PCBC last year, one of the keynote speakers was the head of uh, content uh, from TikTok, I think was his title. And he said then, um, and I talked about this before, the only metric that really drives that algorithm is do people watch the entire video or not? Mm -hmm. If they do, serve it to more people like that person who watched the entire video. 
that simplicity of the algorithm drives someone yesterday sent me a picture of a person I've never heard of. They only had like 500 followers on TikTok or connect connections, subscribers, whatever you call them. Um, and it's just him walking down the street, eating a chicken leg and talking. Now it's wild to me that someone I know was watching that. And then I have to go do some self-searching as to why they wanted to send that to me. But regardless, it's like, the person who made that content didn't have to think about TikTok's algorithm whatsoever. They're just in the habit of recording their own life and TikTok takes care of the rest. There's nothing to do there, which is like the ultimate connection of whoever wants to watch people eat chicken while walking and sharing thoughts on life, they found this video. And I, I that's it. I don't know. I don't, I, do y'all have any thoughts on that? Well, I think there's like, so there's so many to do with this. There's so many conversations about how to hack the algorithm. Like, what do we do to make our stuff show up more? And I mean, a lot of times the answer is just create more content. Yeah. You know, that's worth something. Um, so it's less about hacking it and trying to figure it out and just yeah. creating good stuff. Okay, that that's actually uh, Jackie. I'll let you go here in a second, but yeah. you just clarified something for me because the other the other answer that I a lot of my content creation friends would say is you actually don't need more content. You need better content. Your content sucks. That's the problem. It's not that you don't make enough of it. It's that it's not actually good enough to break through. But TikTok is a differentiator in that it, it is more of a quantity over quality game. So if you have struggles with quality, but you can do quantity, it seems like you would be better success more successful there than on a platform that has other metrics that it's considering like actual engagement. Uh, what, like no one who wants to converse with the guy eating chicken talking about the meaning of life. There's like no comments on the video, but it's still getting a lot of views. So uh, yeah, anyway, that's, that's something else that you just yeah. help me. I think it's the strategy we, we always see. And we talk about of like a rising tide raises all ships. And I think every marketer and especially when TikTok first came out, everyone was like, look, we went viral. Look, we went viral. And they're not necessarily focusing on the, what we talked about last time, the smallest viable market, Kevin, where it's like mm -hmm. this video is for a hundred people and that's okay. We want that to be seen by those people. Um, but I will agree that some marketers don't maybe, I don't want to say have what it takes to create interesting content, but I think they need to recognize that if you're you're creating the same content over and over and it's not getting that engagement. It's not doing that. Like you need to be innovative. You need to try new things and you need to get, um, maybe, maybe take off the, the brand, like loosen the brand box a little bit and see what you can lean into and what brings value. Um, I talked to another marketer who was like, Hey, our agents stink at this. So we brought in an influencer to tell them and show them like, here's, just uh, simple ways to improve your videos. And I think that can also help them be like, oh, okay, I want to, I want to try those new things, or, um, I don't have to stay here. I can go a little outside the box, which is, um, I think Beth, hello, if you're listening to this again, she sent us this funny video of someone just not a builder, but an agent just swearing in a house, like this is the, you know, so-and-so counter and, you know, and it was, it was funny and engaging. And I'm not saying any builder should do that. Um, but I am saying, yeah, sorry, but I am saying like, make it fun. So yeah. Um, or educational there. Yes. Do, do all those things. 
the only thing that I think is a healthy tension there is try new things, push yourself, test the limits within the brand standards. At the same time, if you simply do the things that everyone else is too lazy to do, you can also win by doing things that are relatively boring. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, this is not secret sauce and it might fail totally. But for me, I'm focused this year on making potentially less content drops of my own thoughts outside the podcast. But I want to make like a 5,000 word article on something because no one else, it seems like wants to sit, they either want to just write a book, which no one reads books. No one wants, I, I keep getting this ad on LinkedIn that I think is hilarious and true, even though I'm never going to use it. Um, Cause there's all these people who are like, you don't need to worry about content. Talk to us for 10 minutes. We'll make all the content for you. Like keep me far away from that. They're never going to convince me that that's a great idea. But the, the ad just keeps saying, no one wants to download your ebook. And I think it's genius because who does who, who like what we want are these little smaller pieces of content. But if you combine smallest viable audience or another yeah. way of thinking about it, like the most important audience you can have with providing the most value, if everyone else is going to do 30 second sound clips, sign me up for the 15 minute video, which well, yeah. I posted one and it was hilarious because, because Mike Lyon in our internal communications was like 15 minutes. Dang, I'm going to have to use AI to summarize this, like what's going on. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's just where I try to over-index on, on zigging when people are zagging. We'll, we'll find out if it's a terrible idea or not. Those All right. Are, I was going to say, Kevin, those are the marketers we like. We like the people who like over, over not over try, but I think like they, they, they're, they don't run away from the fire. You know, they're like, I need to try something different. I want to see if it works. I want to be innovative. Um, I think Julie, that was like your. Yeah. article theme. So yeah, which, whoa, by the way, I know, why don't we have that in the notes? Let's start with that. <laughs> change the, change the flow of the show entirely. Ah. Um, Julie, you wrote, a, you wrote a, uh, a blog post published on Thanks. February 7th called marketers. I dare you to go first. <laughs> I did. Tell us about it. I did. Well, and this was just inspired by um, we would be talking through ideas with people in meetings. They'd be like, oh, I love it. That sounds really good. Okay, who's done this before that you can send it to me? I can use in this example. And sometimes there is not an example. It's like, this was just a good idea. And they're like, well, I'm going to wait and see if somebody else tries it first. Tell somebody else and then show it to me. And I get it. We have to use our time efficiently. And sometimes we don't want to reinvent the wheel. But just like you were saying, if you're too afraid to ever take a risk and just mm -hmm. create something from nothing and try it, then we're never going to innovate. And we're always going to be trying to catch up with what everybody else is doing. So it goes back to that, you know, quote about fear. It's like, have some perspective, mm -hmm. like the world is not going to end. If you take a little time, create this really cool thing, see if it moves the needle. And if it doesn't work, if it's a huge failure, learn from it. Be like, mm -hmm. why didn't that work? And then use that on whatever next thing it is. That's how, yeah. you know, Anand with this 10-year thing, it's not because everything he did worked and was perfect. It was that he learned from everything that didn't work and then moved that forward. So I just think everybody's yeah. scared right now to, to try anything and they want to see it first. And it's like, sometimes you just have to put on the creativity hat and take a chance on something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, the, so I always think of qualifiers or what people might 
misinterpret. Are you saying um, on a whim, take a stab at something? No, like I'm saying strategically, look at your goals, look at what the company needs, look what's best for the company, what, what you've been doing, and strategically take chances on those things that are going to move you forward. So not just, I have this random idea in the shower that has nothing to do with anything. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about taking a chance on something that's actually going to solve a problem or help you meet your goals. Yeah. I think that's, I just really wanted you to give that qualification statement. And the other is think about timeframes, mm -hmm. um, things that you can test and learn from quickly can be acted on and should be acted on differently than things that are going to take you two years and implementation teams and so, you know software and blah, 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 to figure out, oh, dang, that wasn't necessary. So really understand timeframes when you're, when you're testing too. Um, and I think all the examples you list in the article are perfect in that none of those things cost a million dollars. None of those things cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. None of those things took years to figure out if it was really so I think there is something to the time frame part too that is important. Awesome. All right. Uh, next up, a quick public service announcement from Becca. Um, this is this is an issue that some builders are seeing, but it's not just builders; it's everyone. And this is a support article from Google um, that some, in some cases, people you're, you're going to find missing sections of data in analytics right now. It's not just you. It is a bug depending on the screen. Like I'll see a lot of times in the overview screen, the data from January to August of 2023 is there, but then when you go and drill down, it disappears. So don't freak out. Um, it's not just you. I'm sure Google will fix it. They have a couple billion, close to trillions of, of, of uh, man hours to, to throw out the project, but it is something that is happening right now just to be aware of. All right, first up for real from powdermark with a c.com. Google and Yahoo updated email authentication requirements for 2024. Now this probably doesn't directly relate to most of you listening um, because I believe this is uh, initially at people who send more than $5,000, 5,000 messages a day mm -hmm. um, via their email. Um, but a lot of you are sending out emails in a single day that are over 5,000. So definitely things to, to be aware of. Um, let's see, how do we want to go through this? I think that, well, so authentication is going to be required if you send more than 5,000 emails a day. There's going to be tools available, um, SPF, DKIM, and DMARC, um, Center Policy Framework, Domain Keys Identified Mail, blah, 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 blah. You're listening to a podcast, I know. So Go check out the article, but you will be able to authenticate that you have um, the right to do that. But you're also going to have to do the following. Add an easy one-click unsubscribe option. Stay under a 0.3% spam rate threshold. Spam rate should ideally be below 0.1% from these organizations. Uh, basically, every home builder listening, you are way over that threshold by like 100 times in most cases, especially all those realtor emails that you, that you bought from a list or whatever, mm -hmm. five years ago that you just imported. And, um, anyway, I just, we could talk more about email, but what, what do you all think about the, about the article? 
Well, so far one, oh, one, one builder sent us the screenshot and they're like, what do we do? And we're like, you know, it's marketing to be aware of, but you do have to work with your developer and IT department to kind of, um, update your preferences and and get that handled. Um, but I mean, I mean, I'm for, I appreciate the unsubscribe because we, as a marketer, we want less people. We want more qualified people. We want people who are still shopping for a home and we want there to be, um, like an easy out button. So that doesn't, that doesn't scare me, but yeah, I think it will highlight the people who, like you're saying, Kevin got those registered or those emails, or they're just like mass updates. And, and we've, we've known for a long time that those aren't necessarily the strategies that you should be doing. Um, and you should have more segmented and specialized emails. So I think it, it, maybe it'll help builders who are sending just things in bulk to realize like it, smaller is sometimes better. And you have to think about your email marketing and how to think about it strategically and maybe how you can improve that moving forward. How about you, Julie? Oh, I think my advice is just don't freak out when you see this pop up on Lasso or HubSpot or whatever, and don't ignore it as well. Mm -hmm. So we had to do something similar a few years ago when we had to get um, the domain verified. Um, And that at the time I was on Lasso and it looked really intimidating. It ended up being a few steps. So don't freak out. Don't read this whole thing and say, I don't know what to do. Take it a step at a time. People will help you talk to your um, CRM people, talk to your IT or whoever is helping with that and take it a step at a time and you've got it. <laughs> don't, don't stress. And ultimately less um, spammy emails generally is better yeah. for all of us, especially yeah. the ones who are trying to do it correctly. So yes. Yeah, just uh, just a heads up. This all went into effect February first of twenty twenty four. By the way, so for those of you who work at larger organizations, um, what they're basically saying is, if you don't follow these policies, it'll be slowly rolled out beginning February first, and you'll you'll just be moved to. In, in Google's case, you're going to be moved more quickly to the spam folder. It's not, and again, remember, delivery rates and open rates are not necessarily things to be trusted haven't been for a couple of years now i believe it's really just clicked on a link or not and so anytime we talk about email i just like to remind people text only emails will get the biggest response but if you want to be able to track even in a text only email you want to have at least one link back to your website somewhere so that you can get some signal out of the noise on email um, usage Mm -hmm. Next up from Zillow.com, the gap in selling intentions between those with rates above and below 5% shrank at the end of 2023. The plans to sell gap um, has shrunk. Earlier research indicated that 5% was a tipping point for intentions to sell. While interest rates remained well above 5% since mid-2022, mortgage rate fluctuations have had little impact on selling intention of homeowners paying mortgage rates below 5%. So basically, this idea of people being frozen because of where their rate is, is having less of an effect. Is that what I'm reading here? Um, yes, it was kind of confusing because the uh, people who are under 5% stayed more stable. So it's about the same amount, but the people who are above the rates have more impact. So they're going up and down depending on. So right now it's a little bit um, lower so they're still being cautious, but I had to read this twice. Like, wait you're, a minute. You're being that- really nice, Julie. Kevin was wrong. What this is saying actually then is people are kind of behaving more the same 
meaning they're less likely to sell overall is what I'm looking at. Um, yeah, the people who are under 5% are just slightly more and the people who are above 5% are lower right now. So they're closer. <laughs> yeah, but that the the number the peak was at 38%. People who had mm -hmm. mortgage rates above 5%, 38% said they plan to sell in the next 3 years. That has dropped down to 23. And to your point, it's maybe come up a little bit since September 22, 18 yeah. to 22%. But Overall, fewer people are planning to sell in the next three years mm -hmm. is what I'm taking away from this. And that's interesting. I mean, it doesn't say why that is, that 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 has changed like that. But I think a lot of it is acceptance that we're never going to get back down to three. So that 38% of people with high interest rates may have been waiting for, well, in the next three years or whatever, it's for sure going to get back down to three. Mm -hmm. And I think now they see maybe that's never going to happen. Um but who knows? They don't know why exactly that is, but that's one one theory I have. Yeah, talking to some marketers, they're like, you know, that conversation around date the rate, marry the house is just completely fizzled out because you're right, Julie, they can't necessarily guarantee or say that. And I will say talking to some builders, um, once the feds kind of announced, like I think that they said recently, the rates don't necessarily, aren't gonna necessarily drastically increase um, now throughout April. Um, they did see a lot of maybe more people were like, okay, finally they can maybe they just trusted that they don't necessarily think that that's going to be a big factor, but still it's that availability and availability of houses on the market and affordability is, I mean, it's always going to be a big issue for buyers. I, I just think what it, a lot of what's hitting people is that house prices are unlikely to go down anytime yeah. soon. And that's the big like gut punch to a lot of people is there is this excitement in some cohorts of we're going to get our chance, everyone. We, we've been priced mm -hmm. out and here's our chance. And so if you own a home right now, a lot of people are like, I'm not sure why I would ever sell this when the value of it keeps getting higher. The protection of 2008, 2009 happening again is you can't get five loans you know, when you have $20,000 in income. Uh, for the year, like you could with a no income, no doc loan in 2008, 2009. So I don't think it's necessarily a speculative bubble effect in the same way, but I just know a lot more people that I've had conversations with are like, I just don't know why I'd ever give up a house or be excited to move. Cause whatever I move to, I'm going to feel like I'm, you know, draining the bank account versus just making, using my home equity to get the next house higher and keep my payment the same. It's just, there's some clear distortion to me on affordability and housing that is causing some of this. Yeah. I, just, I watched, I watched the, the Zonda um, new house update. Oh, I'm so sorry, Zonda, if I'm botching that name. Um, but they said to get back to 2019 levels of affordability, we would need, and then parentheses isolation, a 45% drop in home prices or an 18% increase in incomes or 1.5% average 30 year fixed mortgage rate. So there's a lot of, I think a lot of things happening. Um, yep. Yep. So if any builder is listening to this and, and doesn't watch that regularly, I would highly recommend um, watching that presentation from Zonda. Do you know what surprised me though? It said um, most seller buyers tend to buy a more expensive home than the one they sold. That's not surprising, but they said it's 54%. Wouldn't you all have thought the percentage of people buying a more expensive home than the one they're in is much, much higher than that? I think that's a sober reminder that a lot of people are not moving to a 
because their lives are improving. Mm. And that, that, that goes into discovery being really important, both in online sales and sales and probably not enough content being made by some builders around, you know, double, you know, divorce, um, breakups, uh, deaths. There's a lot of potentially not great reasons why people are having to move. So let's move on. So I don't get sad. Um, (laughs) Homes.com has got some big news. And by the time you hear this, it will have already launched. They're going to have at least one, probably several Super Bowl ads uh, run. And they are spending $1 billion over an unspecified amount of of time, but I'm guessing over over the next calendar year to generate 80 billion impressions, they say. Now that's... um, one penny per impression. Remember, you often get what you pay for. And so Andy Florence, you're you're a great guy. CoStar, fantastic organization. Homes.com, love you. I'm just here to tell you that I did some quick math. And if you would have given us the billion dollars, we could have saved you an easy, easy 300 to $350 million on ineffective, terrible, uh, places that your ads are showing up and impressions that you are getting. I just, on the one hand, I'm excited. We've got another entrant to the market who's serious Mm -hmm. and investing and that's cool. Um, You know, apartments.com has some, some good, uh, funny creative that they've made. I'm sure uh, homes.com will, will do the same. They've got some celebrities involved, but I'm just telling you, if you're trying to create 80 billion impressions that reach 90% of the of households in the US and you spend a billion dollars, you cannot spend a billion dollars in advertising well. It's not possible. The amount of waste conservatively estimated is 300 to 350 million dollars. So, Andy, my cell phone is 412, just kidding. But I, you know, we should talk. Cuz this is wild. Wild to me. Did y'all watch the video on here? I did. Yeah. It was it was basically a commercial for their Super Bowl, a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. I mean, and it here's was the directed thing. for realtors. So mm-hmm. I understand where they were going, but it was like Yeah, but here, here's the thing again that that like this is what I'm talking about is this particular hype video was not good. Like the it, compared to the creative that they're actually running the commercials, like they have also some teaser videos about it's coming, it's coming that are pretty funny and you know, well lit, they use red cameras, I'm sure like the whole nine. And then, you know, this video is using like an intern with, um, uh, premiere and after effects with some electrifying, I mean, I just, it's like the voiceover was not energetic. I was like, right, that's what, well, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Voiceover actress or AI. Yeah. So we are excited homes.com. We, we can't wait, but, um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be wild. I mean, and they just said millions of website visitors. So if I spent a billion dollars, I would get more than millions of website visitors. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Uh, what do we got? Last, but, oh, that is the last. Okay. Favorites, things we love, things we hate. Uh, Jackie. Uh, things I love. <laughs> One. Thank you for listening to the podcast and correcting my English. I definitely had to Google Gardettos before mentioning that word too, because I was like, 
have <laughs> I been saying that word wrong? So someone called me out for saying Tupperware over Tupperware. Um, so just like some things take years. I usually call them containers, but I was like, thank you so much for listening. I actually, I like love that feedback. Um, so just, I, I love that you're listening and correcting my English. Although I will say I put it on my Instagram and my Chicago friends were like, are we not supposed to say it that way? So I was wondering if it was just like hyper-local to where I grew up. While we're at it, frustrated is my tub tubberware. I don't say the word, but that's like, it makes me mad when I hear people say <laughs> frustrated, there's frustrated and there's flustered, frustrated, not a thing. But if you watch trashy reality TV, like my wife and I do before we fall asleep at night, you will hear all kinds of people say the word frustrated. Oh, yeah. The well, then I got in a sense. conversation with a friend about laptop versus lab top, which I do pronounce correctly. Whoa. Whoa. I, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. They thought it was pronounced <laughs> with a B. I was like, oh, I'm not that Interesting. bad. So, okay. <laughs> And then they told sure. me, uh, go record your podcast. So that was a well, that's hilarious. Joke. Sorry, Julie. <laughs> Julie, what do you got? Um, I shouldn't be giving movie uh, recommendations that oh, are Oh yeah, you should. Old. This is going to be great. Mike Lyon, rate her movie recommendation, please. Oh, he will hate this movie though. So um, if you ever want to see a movie that no conflict happens, it is the calmest movie you've ever seen in your whole life. It's called Patterson. And it's um, Driver, Adam Driver, he was in Star Wars, is is in it. And he's a poet who rides a bus. It's very slow, but it is like the most relaxing movie I've ever seen. So if you've had a stressful day and you need to watch something with zero conflict in it, watch Patterson. It's amazing. And it's one of these movies that like, you're like, what was that even about? But then I've thought about it for days afterwards. So if you need a relaxing movie, Patterson. Nice one. It's on awesome. Amazon Prime. So the thing that I kind of hate right now is Julie. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> because uh the other the other like two weeks ago, she's like, Hey, um, can you all get me a Grammarly account? It's on sale. Here's like this discount code. And Mike and I are like, Yeah, heck yeah. And Mike's like, I'm signed up for it. I'm like, I'm signed up for it too. <laughs> What the heck have you been not like you've been holding out on this Grammarly? I know no. it's not a secret. It's my fault. So it's a joke because people are like <laughs> already. I'm, I mean, I like I like priming people up. They're they're going to be really mad that I said I'm I'm annoyed at Julie because everyone loves Julie. But it, it was in my builder show talk like two years in a yeah, row. I know. I love Grammarly. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's my fault. It's not your fault. And Mike's what? response to it was like, oh, that's how you're good at grammar. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> he doesn't need me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. It is, um, it, what I found is with with minimal training, it you know, it does get better the more you use it and and understand your own tone and all the rest. But even with minimal training, it is of all the AI tools I've used, Descript, Jasper, ChatGPT, all of them. It is the most helpful. And I think actually, not that I want to go down a whole AI road here. It's the most helpful because it does the most non-automatic changes. It's very clear. Like it's almost as if it Grammarly has found to me the perfect connection of human to, to artificial intelligence of saying, we actually want the human deeply in the feedback loop. Mm -hmm. We're not just going to go start writing random nonsense that you have mm -hmm. to undo or change. It's... Mm -hmm. 
it's I love it. It's been fantastic. So thank you. Oh, yay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like I've had an that. account for two years now and I was like, was I supposed to tell people this was <laughs> Yeah, it's the it's the upgraded one now. So they've oh, okay. got the free one and then you can pay a little more to have like it's like what? Well, the, the coupon was for $75 for a year. $75 for a year. Yeah. Pretty darn good. Yeah. Pretty darn good. The other thing that um, it's not a love or a hate. So this is, but I'm taking over the segment now is, um, and I'm not talking about anyone in particular, but it's interesting how around the topic of AI, a lot of people are are asked to speak on the topic and they, they want to talk to me first about it before they go and speak on the topic. Um, I'm actually just going to leave that there. I just think it's interesting. Again, as we go into the builder show and not, I'm not, I'm not calling anything out, but it's like, hmm, Olivia, never mind. Edit that whole part out. I don't want to, I don't want to come off overly negative. All right. That'll do it for this week. We'll see you next week. I will be, uh, in Guatemala. So the, another cast of amazing people will be here and then we'll be back for the builder show recording after that. See you next time. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Market Proof Marketing. Can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers? Become a member of our private community, DYC All Access, which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else, access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.doyouconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peake, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.